Mother's Day to all the moms. And uh, it's a wonderful day. I love the uh, uh, little skit that uh, Daniel and um, Silas had. And uh, earlier this week, I got one of those buzzing on my phone from an Amber Alert. And, and uh, so I'm driving the car and uh, Kinsey in the back seat says, uh, Dad, what's that sound? And I said, oh, and so I tried to explain what it was. It, uh, uh, you know, it actually was a silver alert. It was an, it was an elderly person that, ha- that was missing. And so I explained, it, I explained this to her, and she says, Dad, why are they sending that to you? You're not a superhero. And uh, I said, yeah, but Kinsey, uh, you're a superhero, but you don't have a phone. And so maybe they're sending it to me so I can let you know. And so then later, the, later on in the week, because um, at the time she says, uh, Dad, just to let you know, I'm not really a superhero. I'm just pretending. Uh, and, the, and then uh, later on in the week, she says, Hey, Dad, you t- I told you I wasn't a superhero, but I really am, and Mom's my sidekick. That's, that's what she told me. And so I got a kick out of that message and, uh, or that little skit. And, uh, but I agree, moms are superheroes. Moms are the ones that I'm amazed. Like Chelsea works all day, and then when the kids are put down, then she does her laundry, packs the lunches for the next day, uh, cleans up the dishes, all of these things. Now, both of our kids are in uh, school, at least Kinsey's in school a few days a week now. But before they were in school, my day off, I would watch the kids and uh And at that time, I learned staying home with the kids was a whole lot harder than working another job. Like, I was like, oh, man, yes, I get to go to work tomorrow. Like, I knew being being home and being a parent is the hardest job. But it's the most important job, right? Uh, For sure, moms make the biggest difference because they're in in our children's lives. I came across a quote, and uh, Chelsea actually reminded me of this quote, and uh, it's, it's from John Wesley. John Wesley, a, a hero in the faith from a couple centuries ago. He and his brother Charles started the church, and uh, they, they were Englishmen, and this is what John Wesley said, I learned more about Christianity from my mother than from all the theologians in England. And I thought, man, that is so true. It is our moms that are praying for us, that are showing us in practical ways the lo- God's unconditional love that are imparting these Christian values. So in all, light of all of that, happy Mother's Day. Thank you to all of our moms. Thank you to all you uh, Christian women who are seeking to bring the next generation up in the ways of the Lord. Now, let me say one thing personal about my mom, okay? And this will transition us into our sermon this morning. My mom is a very talented woman, and uh, she is, she's an artist by, by nature. She, and the, I brought this up this morning. She makes uh, wooden bowls, and this one, this one is pr- actually pretty plain for most... Some of her bowls that she makes are spectacular. She cuts out little different pieces of wood and makes shapes, and then she turns them on the lathe, and they are 
pieces of art, and she sells them all over the place. This one I have because this is special for me. This is made out of the dining room table of my grandmother who passed away. And she took the table and chopped it up into little bits and pieces, glued it together, and, and, uh, and, and turned a bowl on the lathe. But uh, I love my mom, and uh, she's talented. I think I received at least a little bit of ability to work with my hands the way that she did. Uh, now, I can't do uh, great artistic work, but I love to build stuff. And uh, one of the things that I take a lot of pride in is I built my office in my backyard. And I love it. It's like my sanctuary. I go back there and close the door. It's a quiet place. I can read and study and pray. And uh, it's, it's my favorite place. And uh, so I built this office just the way I wanted. I thought it was perfect. And it was for a couple years. And then somehow I got a leak somewhere. And so every time it would rain, I'd get uh, a little bit of water that was coming through the ceiling in my office. Now, I had put a flat roof on part of it, a patio, because I thought, I'm going to sit up here and I'm above the houses. I can see the mountains and it'll be a great place for me to pray. Well, I tried to, I knew it had to be coming through this flat roof, the patio somewhere, right? So I tried to patch it like multiple times. And eventually I gave up and extended the pitched roof all the way across the top. But here's my point, and this is the tie to the, to the uh, sermon. If there's a weak place in the building, then you've got a problem. And uh, it's not, the building's not going to be the way it should be. For me, it was a leak. If it's a structural issue, then you really got a problem. And Peter uses this analogy in, of the building to, to make this point. Just as every part of a building is important, so every person in the church is important to the ministry of, of God. Okay, we're going to look at this. I, like I said, this is an analogy Peter uses in 1 Peter chapter 2. He's going to talk about how Jesus is the cornerstone of the building. The spiritual house that, that is the church. Now, we talk about a spiritual house the way Peter talks about it. It's not the building itself. It's not these four walls. It's the people in the church. And so he says Jesus is the cornerstone. And then all of us, his language is all of us are living stones. That we are to look like Jesus. In other words, we are to continue the work that he started when he was on this earth. And so here is... The point that of the of the of this sermon in the series ministry matters all of us participates everyone participates that's the idea of all of us being living stones we're building up god's work we're involved in his plan in his ministry and if any of us as living stones, so to speak, are weak or crumbling or not doing our job, it weakens the ministry of what God is doing in the, wor in, in the world and through our church. And so the title of this message is Everyone Participates. As I said, the text is 1 Peter 2, verses 4 through 10. Let's read this together. 1 Peter 2, 4 through 10. As you come to him... The living stone. Okay, stone there, capital S, right? 
That's referring to Jesus. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, lowercase s, all of us, like Jesus, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. To us who believe, the stone Jesus is precious to us. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The cornerstone is what uh, goes in the corner of the building, obviously. It's the strongest stone upon which all the other stones will rely. They draw their strength. And it's the stone that sets the direction for the building. So it's square and, it's, and, it's, and it goes in the direction it's supposed to go. And so Jesus is our cornerstone. We rely on him, and he sets the direction of our lives. Okay, verse uh, 8. And a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And I love those last two verses there. Aren't those beautiful? So many people are wrestling with, who am I? And what place do I have in the world? God says you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, We are God's special possession, every one of us. We are special to God. He has a plan for our lives. We have to have this in our minds. It's so important. And part of God's plan for our lives is that we would declare the praises of Him who called us out of darkness into His wonderful light. We had once not received mercy, and now we have received mercy. Beautiful passage. Two times in these verses does... uh, refer to believers as priests one in verse five he says we are a holy priesthood offering sacrifices acceptable to god and two uh, and second time in verse nine he says that we are a royal priesthood and in verse five when he talks about us being a priest there is an allusion to the priestly temple it, uh, when he says, you are being built into a spiritual house. First century readers who read, uh, would have read that would have known immediately that's a reference to the temple. The temple and the spiritual house are used interchangeably throughout the Old Testament. In fact, it's used interchangeably in the New Testament. And so Paul talks about us being a, a house to God, a temple to God. And when he does, what he referring to is the fact that the Holy Spirit lives in those of us who are followers of Jesus. You see, this is key for this series on ministry matters. When we talk about the temple and when we talk about us being priests to God, this is the place where the work of God is 
done in the Old Testament. And now he is saying, as believers in him, we are God's temple. We are the place in which God dwells. And so, for example, there's many places, but let me read one. 1 Corinthians 3.16 Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that the Holy Spirit dwells in your midst? You see, this is a fundamental truth. Okay, I want us to, to, I want to make sure that we understand this. Here's a fundamental truth. Each person who is a Christian has the Holy Spirit within them who empowers them to do God's work. That's really, really important. Each person who is a Christian has the Holy Spirit living within who empowers them to do God's work. You see, sometimes people will say, I'm not going to be able to be used by God because I'm just a baby Christian. I don't have the knowledge, or maybe they think, uh, I don't have any real special abilities or talents, or, or I don't have a certain spiritual gift. And, the, and I just uh, think about that, and I, and I go back to this fundamental truth, and I think, all those excuses are not valid because it's not you, it's the Holy Spirit in you. That if we are believers in Jesus, we are God's temple and the Holy Spirit lives in us. So what are we called to do? We're simply called to be vessels through which the Spirit might show God's glory through us. In other words, we are to mirror Jesus. And that's what we have here in this passage. I already kind of highlighted it, but Jesus is called the living stone. Verse 4, and then in verse 5, Christians are called to be like living stones. In other words, we're to let God's glory shine through us. It's a work of the Spirit. Ministry is always a work of the Spirit. It doesn't matter how good a program we have. It doesn't matter how much effort we put into it. If Jesus isn't behind it, if the Spirit isn't empowering it, then it's all in vain. The living stone image used here is used repeatedly in the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, it's always used to describe God. In fact, Peter quotes three verses right here in the verses that we read. And we won't take time to look back at the Old Testament passages, but just for your own info, he quotes Isaiah 28, 16, uh, Psalm 118, 22, and then Isaiah 8, 14. And uh, the reason I just highlight that is because all of these Old Testament passages, speaking of uh, the living stone, are in reference to God himself. And now Peter has no problem with the connection in saying that Jesus is the living stone. In other words, what is being implied, and it's not just, I mean, it's, it's obvious, is that Jesus is God himself. Many people today think highly of Jesus, but they don't recognize him as God. Am I right? Many people think uh, of Jesus as a good teacher, as a good example, as a good person. But Peter is saying Jesus is God. And so we, as believers in him, place our faith and our trust in Jesus. We know that salvation comes from him alone. And so we make him the center and the foundation of our lives. As, P as Peter points out here, he is the cornerstone. 
He's the center. He's the foundation. He directs all of our lives. And so our lives are built upon Him, and He directs our lives. That is why we are called to be involved in His work. He sets the course. We follow His example. Paralleling the Old Testament, priests were ordained to uh, carry out God's work for the Israelites, right? He talks, about the, he talks about we being God's holy nation, His special people. In the Old Testament, that was the Israelites. And so now as we as Christians have been given the responsibility to worship and serve Jesus in His kingdom. While Christians are described as God's temple or house in several New Testament passages, 1 Corinthians 3.16 and other passages, let me just give you a couple of references. 1 Corinthians 6.19, Ephesians 2.19 through 22, Hebrews 3.6. There is no other place in the whole New Testament outside of this verse in, in 1 Peter 2.5 where people are referred to as living stones. And I find that unique. Peter is painting a unique picture in which God is building his house and the dwelling place where his work is done. And he is using Christians as stones to carry out his work. In the Old Testament, the priestly class cast was a special group. They were all from the tribe of Levi. And now he is saying uh, all believers are a part of God's kingdom. It's not just the special few. It's not the pastor. It's not the deacons. It's not a few leaders. All of us are empowered and equipped to be priests to one another. And so that is why in theology we have what we call the doctrine of the priesthood of all believers. The doctrine of the priesthood of all believers is one of our most foundational uh, beliefs as Protestant Christians. It's one of the beliefs that differs from, uh, from other religions and even from Catholicism. It is a belief that all of us stand before God to be uh, equal before Him, to be used by Him, all in significant ways. And so the president of the seminary I, where I went, Al Mohler, wrote an article that defines the doctrine of the priesthood of all believers. And like I said, I, I learned about this in seminary, so let me give you this doctrine. The priesthood of all believers is the Christian belief that every believer has direct access to God through Jesus and the church is a fellowship of priests serving together under the lordship of Christ. Now, I don't know if you're able to process all that. That's, that's a theological definition here. So let me break it down here. Uh, first of all, the priesthood of all believers is the Christian belief that every believer has direct access to God through Jesus Christ. See, there's a vertical and a horizontal aspect to the doctrine of the priesthood of all believers. Here's vertically. We all have equal and direct access to God through prayer. This doctrine teaches that each of us has equal and direct access to God without needing a mediator. In the Old Testament, the priests were the mediators. The priests were the ones that stood between God and His people, that offered sacrifices on behalf of the people. But now all of us, as Hebrews 4.16 says, are invited to approach the throne of grace with confidence. You have 
equal and direct access to God with everybody else on the face of this earth. And so we can come before God and we can uh, lift our petitions to Him. And then there is a horizontal aspect to this doctrine that all of us are to minister to one another. In the Old Testament, the priests were the ones that were the ministers, right? And so let's just back up. And to me, this is interesting, and I, and I hope this sinks in for all of us as being significant. In the Old Testament, there, it, they, there were specific priestly duties. Let me highlight four. One, the priests were the only ones who were given the charge to teach the Word of God. The priests were to open the Torah and read it, to teach the people the laws and the commandments. Another priestly duty, they were given the charge to make intercession. They were the ones that uh, had... Now, everyone could pray, but it's clear that the priests had special influence with God. They were the mediators for the nation of Israel. Thirdly, they were to care for needs. We see them caring for Samuel when he was a boy. We see them caring for orphans and widows and the poor. This is one of their charges. And then last duty that I'll highlight, and this is the most obvious one in the Old Testament, is that they were given the responsibility of offering sacrifices. Now, sacrifices, there were certain sacrifices anyone could make. But the priests could only make a lot of these sacrifices. In fact, the high priest was the only one that could make uh, the sacrifice on the Passover day. And so sacrifices varied in form. On Passover day, it was a, it was a, a bull, but there were other animal sacrifices. There were grain sacrifices. There were different purposes for the sacrifices. Sin offerings, guilt offerings, peace offerings, sacrifices of worship and thanksgiving. Okay, I highlight all of those things because here is the application. We as Christians, if the doctrine of the priesthood of all believers is true, are given the responsibility to carry out the same kind of functions. So, Andrew, keep these up here. Let's go through these one at a time. I just want us to consider our own lives as we go through. Ask, your, ask yourselves, how can I be used by God in each of these things? Teaching. And I'm not talking about teaching up on the stage or in a class or leading a growth group. I'm talking about the idea that we speak the Word of God to one another. All of us. No matter what responsibility we have, we have the opportunity to teach one another. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. That's to everyone. You have the, res- you have the opportunity and the responsibility to speak the Word of God to your brothers and to your sisters Parents have the opportunity, we're thinking about Mother's Day, of speaking the Word of God to their children and and teaching them how to live. Now, not all teaching is instruction. Some teaching, when it comes to the Word of God, is rebuke, is correction, is encouragement. In fact, when it's speaking of the Bible itself, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is God-breathed and useful 
useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You and I, we have opportunities to be used by God uh, by being priests to one another, by teaching each other the Word of God. A few weeks ago, uh, someone came up to me at church and said, uh, Pastor Corey, I'd like to meet with you in your office, and I have some things I want to share with you. Okay, here now I'm going to, maybe I'm a little jaded, but that means this person's got complaints, right? That's, that's usually what this means. And so I'm like, okay, let's meet. I've messed up somewhere. I'm going to have to uh, swallow my pride and apologize or something. And so we got together, and uh, she said, you know, Pastor Corey, uh, the Lord laid this on my heart that I should come and talk to you. And, and what she began to share was just a word of encouragement. And it was given at a time in which that is exactly what I needed to hear. And I couldn't help but just get tears in my eyes and goosebumps on my uh, arms as, as she shared. And this is the priesthood of all believers, that God will use each of us to speak His words to one another. Second thing on this list, intercession. All of us are given the ministry of praying for one another. This is why we emphasize as a church that we want to be a church of fervent prayer. Paul says in Romans 15.30, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit. In other words, he's given emphasis. All the brothers, all the sisters, by the Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, join me in my struggle by praying to God. This is a ministry that we have. All of us have equal and direct access to God. And so we've been given the ministry of praying for one another. Sometimes I go to the hospital to pray for someone. If I get word that, they, that they're uh, in, in the hospital, I just want to offer a prayer. And oftentimes I'll get there and I'll real, somebody else from the church is already there. Or I'll hear two or three people have already visited and they've already come and prayed. And I think, well, I'm glad I'm here. I can pray. But my prayer holds no more weight than the person that was just here 45 minutes ago to pray. All of us have equal and direct access before God. We've been given the charge to pray for one another, to make intercession for one another through prayer. And so this is such a blessing. I visited uh, Iris Cheney. How many of you remember Iris Cheney? Iris Cheney used to come to our church every week. Such a sweet old lady. And now she's been shut in her home for the last several, uh, several years. And went to visit her this week. And we were talking about what we're doing in church. I was telling her about the Ministry Matters series. And she says, my ministry is that I pray for the church. And that's true. This is something all of us can do. This is ministry that we would pray uh, for one another. Thirdly, to care for, uh, the, care for needs. James 1.27, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So this is the ministry that God, uh, that God accepts as pure and faultless to care for one another, to care for orphans and widows, to look after uh, 
ch children and to those that can't care for themselves, those that are hurting and lonely. We are called as a church to come alongside of one another in our physical uh, difficulties and in, in emotional difficulties to care for one another. And then lastly, I see that there is a parallel in this passage about the idea of offering sacrifices. Obviously, we see this in the Old Testament, but here is how we offer sacrifices now that we live in 2019. Verse 5 says, We are a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And what are those spiritual sacrifices? Verse 9 begins to flesh it out. Declaring, praises, declaring the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. One of the sacrifices that we offer to God are sacrifices of worship, right? This was a sacrifice in the Old Testament, and here it says that we are to declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into wonderful light. Part of our ministry, each of us, every one of us, is to praise God. And I'm not talking about the worship leaders up here. Uh, I'm talking about every one of us. We come this uh, each week and we offer our praises to the Lord. That is part of why we exist as a church. It's not just to help one another out, though that's part of it. The, one of the main reasons we exist as a church is to glorify God, to praise Him. So this is all of us together to offer our praises to the Lord. And then to spread those praises, as it says here, to declare the praises. And so there is a ministry of worship, there is a ministry of evangelism to spread this good news of what God has done. The church to which, the believers to which uh, was a church in Asia Minor surrounded by pagan people, and he says that hopefully these will see their good deeds and glorify God. In other words, that they would receive, uh, that they would receive uh, Jesus as their Savior and Lord as well. Okay, let me. I'm running out of time, so let me make one more uh, point here, and then because uh, I, I think this is interesting, the phrase "royal priesthood," we find that in verse uh, nine. This is the only place that this that these words are used in the New Testament. But there is one other place in the Bible where these words are used. And it's found in the Old Testament. It's found in Exodus 19.6. Now when you read it in the, in the English, it's different wording. But in the Greek, it's the exact same wording. So let me highlight this. Exodus 19.6. You will be for me a kingdom of priests. Same wording as Peter when he says a royal priesthood. You will be for me a royal priesthood and a holy nation. And then notice who he's talking to. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. Only place in the Bible in which all of the Israelites are referred to as royal priests. And so I think Peter is drawing our attention to this passage specifically because God, because God is calling us to do the same thing. Let's put this verse up, but let me make one substitute. And uh, I'm going to substitute the words Israelites for West Covina Christian Church. Now, I know that this is Scripture, but I have no problem doing this. 
Because this is the message of the passage. That we are God's royal uh, priesthood. So let's read this together. You will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to West Covina Christian Church. We are God's priests. We are his holy nation to carry out his work. We are to follow Jesus as, our, as he is our king, directing and leading and guiding us to carry out his work in the world today. Now, the people of Israel were supposed to do that, but they messed up. They were supposed to be a light to the nations. By and large, they did not do that. We are called. We are given a new opportunity. And we are given the power to do what the Israelites could not do. Why? Because the Holy Spirit lives in us. It's not based on our strengths. And so we are to be a light to our community. The Israelites were supposed to live in harmony with one another under God's rule. By and large, again, they failed over and over again. But now we are given the charge to do the exact same thing, to live in God's kingdom under His kingship, following His law in harmony with one another. And, by, and if we rely on our own strength, which we do too often, that's when we mess up. But by the power of God, the work that Jesus began, He will fulfill through us. We are a kingdom of priests. Jesus made the way. He did perfectly what Israel failed to do. And now he is calling and equipping us to carry out his work by ushering in a new kingdom through his incarnation, resurrection, incarnation, crucifixion, and resurrection. He offers us as a church a fresh opportunity to accomplish what the Israelites of old could not do. And so this is Today's sermon, everyone participates. Ministry matters. No one is exempt. All of us are called to do these, uh, this work together. So here's the summary of the message. I'm looking for a response. Here we go. Ready? Who has the Holy Spirit? Let me know. Who has the Holy Spirit? Everyone who is a believer in Jesus Christ, right? Who can call, talk directly to uh, God in prayer? That's right, all believers, all of you. Who can be used by God to do His work? All of us, that's right. And who is important to God? Every one of us. We are God's special possession. That's the point of this passage. Each of us has different roles, but we all are equal before God. God has no hierarchy. Now, it appears He did in the Old Testament with the Israelites and then even among the Israelites, the Levites. But all of us now stand equal before God with direct access to Him. We are all priests before God, offering to Him our praise and service. So what are you to do? You are to look for areas to be used by God. And I'm going to encourage us all to be involved in ministry. Some of you are very involved. And some of you, I'm going to encourage you to find a place to serve. And if you don't know where right now, don't worry about it. We're having a ministry fair in a couple weeks, okay? All this is coming to a head eventually. We're going to have a ministry fair, and we're going to talk about the various ministries of the church. But there is always place to, places to serve. First of all, to pray. There's always places to serve with the children and with the youth, to serve in the kitchen, to, to uh, be on the welcoming team. 
But God is calling all of us to be involved in his work. Inez Harris, where is Inez Harris at? Is she here today? Yes, she is. Inez, raise your hand. I single out Inez. I don't single out everyone. Inez likes to be singled out. She's a, she's a great person. All right, so Inez Harris sent me a text this week, and I thought this is a great way to close our sermon today. Here's the text uh, Inez sent me. When you find yourself in a position to help someone, be happy and glad because God is answering that person's prayer through you. That, that, that's, a, that's a wonderful conclusion to this message. When you find yourself in a position to help someone, be happy and glad because God is answering that person's prayer through you. Let's pray. God, that just warms my heart to think about that, that, that we might be the answer to someone's prayer. And God, I pray that we would be faithful to whatever you would call us to. God, again, on this Mother's Day, I just want to bless all the moms. And I recognize that when we talk about ministry matters, uh, their most important ministry is to love their kids well. And uh, God, I pray that you would bless them as they seek to teach uh, their children, as they seek to make intercession, as they seek to care for their kids' needs, and to, and to even offer their lives as a sacrifice for their little ones. And I pray that they would find joy today to realize that in some ways they are priests to you just by being moms. But God, help us to, uh, help us to fulfill your work both individually as an, and as, as a church. And we rely on your spirit. And we thank you for your love to us, that, you, that we are your special possession, that you care uh, so much for us. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.